Hello! The winner is... Oh, well, sorry I didn't win it, Mr. Lemley. I know no one else I'd rather have beat me than you. I am the most frantically sought person in Cinemaland. I, Oscar the Academy Award. Hello! And welcome back to The Snub Club, the podcast where we talk about the movie that has the most Oscar noms, but absolutely no wins at all. I'm one of your hosts, Danny Vincent, and I have two other hosts here with me. Who are these people? Yeah, I am host two of three, Sarah Knopf. And I'm host three of three, Caleb Bunn. This week, we go to the uh, 15th uh, Academy Awards. Why do you have an accent again? I don't know. Probably because I was talking about this Christopher Walken joke I made earlier, but I don't want to get into it now because it has absolutely nothing to do with what we were talking about. But I had to do it toward these Is Christopher four. Walken even alive in 1942? I was thinking about Probably. the Dora movie earlier, okay? Get off my back. Hey, you should always be talking about that movie. That movie's great. <laughs> you want great. my joke? <laughs> I forgot about that movie. <laughs> I saw it's, it in theaters. <laughs> I think Dora's Monkey... The Dora's monkey should have Dora's monkey should have been played by Christopher Walken because boots are made for walking. Okay, uh, Christopher Walken <laughs> was born in 1943, mm. so I'm proud of my joke. Not relevant. Oh. Gonna get cut. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we're at the 15th Academy Awards this year, so I'm gonna do my little countdown, and you'll figure out what we're talking about. So, a certain film called Mrs. Miniver got 12 nominations. It won six of these. One outstanding motion picture. One best director for William Wyler. One best actress for Greer Garson, who we'll be talking about today. Uh, <laughs> it won best supporting actress for Teresa Wright, who we talked about in our last episode. It won best screenplay, which was technically adapted screenplay, and it won best cinematography, black and white. And then the Pride of the Yankees got eleven nominations. It only had one win though, which was best film editing. Then a movie called Yankee Doodle Dandy. Had seven nominations. It won three. Best Actor for James Cagney. Best Scoring of a Musical Feature. And Best Sound Recording. Then, there were two movies. Oh, my bad. Excuse me. Yankee Doodle Dandy had eight nominations. There were two movies that had seven nominations. So, And we'll be talking about both of them because neither of them won anything. However, this week we're just going to talk about the first of them, which is Random Harvest. Sarah, what was Random Harvest nominated for? All right. So... Random Harvest was nominated for Best Picture and lost to Mrs. Miver. Best Director for Mervyn Leroy, who lost to William Wyler for Mrs. Miniver. Um, Leroy was not Leroy won uh, two honorary awards, um, and he also uncredited directed Wizard of Oz. Um, just thought that was an interesting fact. Um, Best Actor for Ronald Coleman, who lost to James Cagney in Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, Coleman was also nominated for Bulldog Drummond and Condemned, both in the same year, 1930, and he later won for A Double Life. You should have won for Aerosmith. Well, we've talked about that. Um, (laughs) Best best Supporting Actress for Susan Peters, um, who lost to Teresa Wright for Mrs. Miniver. This was Susan Peters' only nomination but we will talk about her life because it is fascinating. Um, best Adapted Screenplay for Claudine West, George Froschel, and Arthur Wimpress. Um, and they lost to Claudine West, George Froschel, and Arthur Wimpress, as well as James Hilton for Mrs. Miniver. Um, let's see. So this was Froschel's 
only win and nomination. Whimper is his only win and nomination. Uh, West was also nominated for Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Um, and also, Hilton was also involved in this production because he wrote the novel that Random Harvest was based on. Um, best score for uh, Herbert Stothart, who lost to Max Steiner for Now Voyager. Um, Stothart was nominated 10 more times, and he won for The Wizard of Oz. Uh, best Art Direction, Interior Black and White, <laughs> Cedric Gibbons, Richard Duell, uh, Edwin B. Willis, and Jack D. Moore. Uh, Gibbons was nominated 38 more times and won 11. Uh, Duel was nominated two more times. And he also designed several theme parks, including Six Flags Great America and <laughs> Universal Studios. <laughs> um, Willis was nominated 31 more times and won eight. And Moore was nominated five more times and won for Little Women. Um, the 1950s Little Women or the... Um, I think it was like ni- 1949, maybe? Something like that. Okay. But not the one with uh, Hepburn. No. Well, was okay. it? It might be. I'm not sure. Oh, we watched the movie. There are too many Little Women. Week. There's a lot of Little Women. These Little Women need to grow up. Um, which, uh, also fun fact, there are six directors or were six directors for Wizard of Oz. And one of them, the director who did all the scenes in Kansas was King Vidor, who has appeared on our podcast once before. Great director. Probably the best movie we've watched. All right. So random harvest you uh, caleb has told me earlier off mic just so the audience knows so i'm not cutting him off he has no historical context for us i have a little bit just a little bit. sarah throw me off okay um so so the movie takes place around and after uh world war one um spoiler alert it follows a shell-shocked uh veteran of the war played by ronald coleman um, and Ronald Coleman actually was shell-shocked in real life. He was gassed by the Germans, just like his character. Isn't that a gas? Okay, that's not actually funny. It's really sad. Um, <laughs> the closest thing I have to historical context is that uh, Rebecca came out two years earlier, and you can tell. These people want to make a Rebecca. Oh, I haven't seen Rebecca, so I wouldn't know. But it's a good movie. I have seen, I've seen Random Harvest. Random Harvest, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen Random Harvest. It's a good movie, or is, is it? it? Yeah, is it? <laughs> we'll see. This is ooh, cards on the table. What do y'all think? Well, great question. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, this movie is insane. It's crazy. It's stupid. It's love. It's, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> cut that. Um, <laughs> no! People love the Steve Carell references. It's it's just weird. It's a weird... It's like people call it like the most romantic movie of all time. And it's... When I went to look, look it up on YouTube, I only found fan cams for it. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> It's just bizarre, and it was commercially very successful, and I don't understand why, because it's just weird. It's based on a book, and I kind of want to read the book now just so I can see if 
the book is as bonkers as the movie is. I was going to say, the book is a little different because the book is not in chronological order. And the big twist of the book is that you don't know he has a wife and he loves his wife so much and you don't know who his wife is until literally the last like sentence of the book. And then it says, it's her! Um, but obviously in the movie, they can't do that. Hmm. I... So the first hour of this movie, I was was mildly amused. I wasn't really vibing with it, but I was going along with it. Um, and then eventually the contrivances just start stacking up to the point where you have to be entertained by them. But then a subplot comes in uh, for like the third, fourth, third quarter of the movie that I'm not crazy about. But once that ends and we get into the last half hour, this movie's great. It's like wacky and... Excuse it's me, wild. you don't like grooming pseudo-incest plotlines? <laughs> it's very... Uh, uh, hot take, no. <laughs> uh, hot take unlimited. Uh, what I gotta say is, my take on the movie was basically, uh, I agree with it being really bizarre. Uh, to me, though, the issue with it is more than, <laughs> more than the plot points being weird. Because if, if the movie's like insane and like it flows i like it but this is like such an episodic stop and go structure to me where it's like now we're in this section of the movie so we're gonna reset everything to a certain point where i just got so like unengaged uh and i was i was like trying to pay attention but it's just like if i'm watching a movie and i can i realize like it can completely change its premise on a dime and not really care about the previous thing i watched i get kind of annoyed with it you know what i mean and there's no thematic I, point here. It's not an anthology film. It's just yeah. badly structured. I was kind of into it, like, at the very beginning. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, like... It has a good like, opening a very, scene. It has a really it, good opening scene. The opening scene feels, like, very, like, foreboding and, like, just kind of a dark tone. And I really liked that. Like, I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked... You know what movie you, you know hmm. what movie you will like if you like that opening scene? Rebecca, which it, it's I, basically I, ripped straight from. I can't watch an Army Hammer movie, man. I, he's so gross. Yeah. Fair. Well, you can never watch Cars 3 again. How Good. I don't like Cars 3. I think it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the worst Pixar movie. <laughs> but, um, like, the first, like, 30 minutes, I was like, okay, like, I like this. I like the tone. I like that it's not very happy. I like that it's, it has a little bit of a romance, but, you know. Um, it has an unnecessary musical number, which might be Hey, that I was going to say, that's people. the exact moment. <laughs> I was saying earlier that I knew the exact moment uh, I, in the movie Lost Me, and it was that musical number. That was exactly me, where it lost me. So for me, where it lost me was after they got married. And well, we should talk about the actual plot. But when they got married and this woman who had this like very respectable job, presumably she was very good at it, all of a sudden was like... Hey, I'm your wife now, and I gave you a baby, and I'm here, and this is my agency now. That's when I was like, eh, eh, meh. So <laughs> the movie, <laughs> the movie is about this this character. Um, I'm just gonna call him Ron Coleman because Ron <laughs> Coleman, because he has two names in the movie, and so just to simplify it, Coleman is was in World War One. And then he uh, is injured, loses his memory, 
also loses his identification and gets captured by the enemy. This is so all no before the movie begins. Is. This is all before the movie yes. begins. Yes. The movie starts with him in a uh, an asylum for uh, the military where he's not a danger to anyone. He just, they can't release him because he doesn't know who he is. Then World War I ends and in the excitement he is able to escape the asylum and he meets a woman who's part of this touring theater group and she, for some reason she falls in love with him and they get married <laughs> that is a great uh great way to put it for some reason <laughs> yeah um i feel like this movie and we'll obviously get this more with the grooming subplot but it kind of always well, has these very weird power dynamics in the relationships well, it's like because women women love a project, you know. Like yeah, it's, yes. it's like the "I can fix him" mentality. Please don't send this man yeah. back to the asylum. Please. This is less of a fix him and more of like a blank slate. And yeah. I <laughs> will fix you. They have a kid, and he. I yeah, forgot the about their kid. Oh yes, the kid. The kid is a. Yeah, that's definitely the moment in this movie where I was like, "Oh, this is ahead of its time." I I didn't think I've seen a movie in the nineteen forties that used this as a twist. Yeah. Um. About should we spoil the twist? I'm joking. Well, yeah. About an hour into the movie, he goes on a trip to Liverpool. First mistake. Uh, and then. Liverpool. I've never been to Liverpool. I bet it's lovely. I'm sure that John Lennon liked but it. He gets hit by a car. And <laughs> we should make a list. He of gets his memory back. We should make a list you of every what? movie you watch on this podcast that has a car. But they so they showed it. They showed it. And you know what? I I was thinking like so we, you know like obviously when we watched Love Affair she got hit by a car as her like comeuppance because she cheated and I feel like you could maybe make that argument for this one as well because he gets engaged again and he's already married. I think from just a technical perspective, this beats out all three movies we've seen with a car accident. Well, um, are we counting? We don't, we don't. Are we counting driving off the of cliff in Merrily We Live as a car accident? Because that, that was great. Oh, 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 that was fantastic. That one. <laughs> that one I didn't say wins. <laughs> okay, so we've seen four because we we also had the uh, <laughs> the suicide by car accident in um in Four Daughters. And are we counting the crowd too? Of course, right? Yes. Yes. The Honestly, okay, this is this is number two after Merrily We Live. These are all blending together for me. I think the crowd is definitely number three. <laughs> well, we see it. We don't, that's the problem with a lot of these is that we don't see it. <laughs> this one we see. Yes. Yeah. And he's, he's totally fine. Crashes. He gets hit by a car and he's fine. I mean, he, he gets his he's memory back. fine. This is what we should do to all amnesiacs. Send them to Liverpool. I mean, that's, that's also not how amnesia works, but you know. Yeah, I know. I've seen <laughs> Spider Man 3. <laughs> <sighs> um, anything Just else to say about the sigh. first half of this movie? Um, there's well, like some supporting characters. I mean, there's like 
Um, there's like her manager who he like beats up, but then the manager's like, oh, it's fine. There's like the vicar who married them. I, I uh, don't know if I'm in the position to talk about it that much, but I really think that we're kind of glossing over just how weird their relationship is. Because <laughs> yeah, it really is. I guess is. we should talk about that. I also <laughs> want to talk about the musical number because I have a personal bone to pick with it, <laughs> which but, I should have gotten a professional opinion about, but I didn't. I forgot to. <laughs> one of the one of the supporting characters is uh, is a familiar face from It's a Wonderful Life, which we will be talking about more soon. But Clarence makes an appearance in this movie. Oh, oh I didn't even recognize him. And I, yeah, I, I can know. only assume that this is his character from like him before death. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say like he's he's trying. He's this is his first attempt. Got to get those wings. True, maybe. <laughs> Wait, who did he? Who did he even play? He's like the doctor who delivers the baby, I think. <gasps> I remember him because when he closes the door, he makes that goofy face. I remember him now. <laughs> but like, okay, like their relationship is so weird because yes. he literally is like, I don't want to say like he is mentally a child because I feel like that's kind of offensive to amnesiacs. Just... But like, he very clearly cannot take care of himself like in this film at the point My where favorite... they... What? My favorite part is when she's changing. And his chair is pointed right at where she's changing. <laughs> it's just uh. so bizarre. And it's just like he fades in the middle of the show. And it's like not even like, it's like one minute we see him sitting and then the next he's just prone on the ground. <laughs> this movie it's truly just, is I random. Also, it's bizarre. I hate, I hate to say this because. I, because of the historical context you gave Sarah, so I hate to insult Coleman's performance if he was drawing from real life, but I think he has no idea what to do in the first half of this movie. He looks so confused, and not that the character is confused. Coleman looks confused. Well, I think that it's, I honestly think that Coleman, I don't, this is a movie that has a passage of time. Like, there is a very, like, considerable amount of time that passes in this movie. Coleman was 51. When this movie was made, he looks 51. He does not look like he should. He does not look like a veteran, like a young veteran. He doesn't look like this, like, like he should be the heir to, you know, his family's fortune. He looks, he looks old. Like he doesn't fit this role at all. And I feel like there's just, he was good in Aerosmith, but Aerosmith was a very different type of movie. And I feel like watching him in this movie kind of was like traveling back to the 30s. And I don't feel like either him or um, the director or cinematographer really had a really were adapting to a post Citizen Kane world. Well, to be fair, Citizen Kane came out like probably when this was in production. So it's not like they had much to adapt to yet. I'm not expecting that yeah. to really influence anything, at least until the next Oscars after this, you but, know, but Tolan had Tolan had already been, I think upping the game with the movies. Well, of course. And Tolan shot Aerosmith think, too. So like, yeah. And I think even a movie like stage door, I think shows an evolution in how acting was, was being thought of shot. Yeah. I want to see if this guy shot anything else 
post this that I would recognize. Shot Mrs. Miniver. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Busy guy. Th- yeah, there was a lot of overlap between he Vince shot and Mrs. Gigi, Miniver. Which probably Gigi. looks good because it's a Vincent Minnelli movie. I love it's got it's got, Mar- it's got Marie Chevalier. Our boy. Ooh, <laughs> he directed Man on Fire, which I thought was the Denzel movie. Uh, but it's actually a Bing Crosby movie that's listed as a rare, non-sinking, and unsympathetic role. Ooh, Bing Crosby huh. going Seems violent. Subjectively written for Wikipedia. He won. He won. And he won four Oscars for Academy Award, for for Academy Awards. He won four Oscars for cinematography, which were. I don't for, think. I mean. Go which, ahead. Sorry. It was for. The Great Waltz, Mrs. Miniver, somebody up there likes me, and Gigi. He also Gigi. won the Gigi. Golden Globe for Brigadoon. To me, it's like, I don't think the cinematography was bad. I he shot think Gaslight. That, Sorry, I'm done. Um, I'm done. There, there is no Gaslight. Um, no, they never made a movie called that. <laughs> um, it's just that it was filmed on a stage. I mean, every single set that we saw was a stage. And there are parts, especially during the exteriors, where you can really tell that it's a stage. I gotta um, say, um, if we if we were playing remove a nomination, to me, it's easily the art direction. I don't find anything impressive here. I thought the their house was nice. Like the trees in front of their house. It was cute. Yeah. It's okay. Um, what, did, <laughs> what did you want to say about the musical number? Oh, I just, again, I didn't consult my expert like I should have, but GG. Uh, the musical number is very out of place. Um, the, here's the thing. I, the musical number, like, so, so we've said, like, Greer Garson won the, the Academy Award this year for Best Actress for Mrs. Miniver. She was not eligible to win this year. I guess that was a rule that they made um, where you couldn't have two people. You couldn't have the same person in, in two nominations in a category, except for writing. Of course, they did. But um, I, she she said this was like her favorite movie that she had ever done. Ronald Coleman said it was fantastic. He loved it. Um, and she was really nervous about the role until she did the musical number. And she loved doing it. And people were like, you know, people on set were like, oh, she really opened up. Like, she she did such a good job with the rest of the movie. Why? Like the musical number is stupid. <laughs> it makes it's not it necessary. It's her in a kilt. She was she said, I want to be in a short kilt and sing this song. And they were like, You will be in a medium kilt because <laughs> we will not allow that. And she sings a song and she's got like a Scottish accent and she oh, golfs. So bad. And that's I mean, I guess it's just it's one of those things I've said this before. Where it's like, I think I might have even said this on this podcast, where it's like when I'm watching a movie and it's like when they tell me that like a song or a performance is good and I'm like, I guess I'll take your word for it. I didn't really think that. <laughs> it's just, just not good. It's not good. And he faints during it. So he doesn't even, he probably didn't like it either. Maybe it's time to let the old times die. huh? Maybe. Good song. I think Great I song. think our commentary so far has been a little shallow. You so. know, <laughs> actually, let's be real here. We're told that jazz is great in La La Land, but the only jazz we hear is City of Stars. The best song in that movie is a song we're told is terrible. That's the real movie to talk about modernly. With The best song in that movie is the John Legend song. 
Oh, I thought that song was bad. Oops. Oh, I think it's the best song. And the reason it is the best song is partially because Ryan Gosling says it's terrible. <laughs> That's the one that made me yeah. like, nah, this is good. <laughs> you have no, you're dumb. Anyways. Um, so next we will never we talk see... about La La Land on this podcast other than tangents because it won Oscars. For better or worse, it won. Um, They're one of the big ones. And that's what matters. But anyway, we'll go on. So next we see (laughs) Charles Rainier, who is now Ronald Coleman. Um, After the car crash. He's got his memory back. Yes. He is rich. (laughs) Which is a... I would argue this is possibly another, you know, poor man is actually rich story. Um, oh, it is. It definitely is. Yes. The difference and is that rich, since it happens halfway through, it doesn't feel as to me. It didn't feel as obnoxious, you know. Like, yeah, it's not like at the very end. Yeah. Um, and there's another twist coming, <laughs> kind of. He's rich, and his father has conveniently just died. Uh, he gets the estate, despite the fact that his brother is older and also is married. Uh, I think his brother's married. Um, his sister yes, has married. Yeah, uh, his sister is married. Uh, this guy, I mean, the family is just like the family doesn't really matter except for one member of the family, and that is Kitty, who is his step niece. Yo, and I didn't catch it with step, that, that doesn't really you change. You thought it was anything. just his niece? <laughs> I just thought it was she his is, niece. <laughs> I was like, she's introduced. At age 15. 15, yes. Now, eventually she's aged up to age 18, but it's still not good. And also, <laughs> just 51-year-old man. Yes. 15-year-old woman. Well, she was 21. Right. The actress was 21. Oh, so, oh know, great. A 30-year difference instead of a 35-year <laughs> difference. <laughs> and she's just like, she's like, oh, I'm just so infatuated with him. I'm so glad that he's here. Which, and. And the fact that she sells us on this explains her Oscar <laughs> We'll get to that. Why do people find him? Why do people find Coleman hot? I don't get it. Oh, I get it. I don't know why she would being 30 years younger than him. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, because when I was 15, I was scared of older men. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I want to marry him. He's so hot. She was um, born. She was born on my birthday. This actress. We have to. Do, we have to. Yeah, I'm looking her. at something else. So yes. we have to talk about her. But she was um, born on my birthday. <laughs> we have to talk about her. Um, so she she goes to college, but the point is, it's grooming because the whole time she's writing him letters, and it progresses their relationship. She calls him uncle, and then she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't call you uncle." And then it turns into like, "My dearest Charles," and like, um, eventually, uh, he. Uh, is like, yeah, I think I like you too. And they get engaged and nobody bats an eye, despite the fact that it is pretty incesty. Um, <laughs> um, but let's take it's... a second to talk about yes, Susan Peters. We, we, we got it. I'm looking at her wiki page now. I'm like, yes. ooh, I get why Sarah wanted to talk about Yes. This. So Susan Peters was an ingenue. She was in a lot of you know smaller roles. Um, she eventually got fired from, I think, Warner Brothers. And this was like her big, dramatic, you know, like her your big break, obviously, because she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, two years after this, she was accidentally shot in the spine um, and became. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's more. <laughs> and she, she became paralyzed. 
Um, and she lost out on a lot of film roles, but eventually she transitioned into stage. Um, and she actually did pretty well on the stage. Um, like she was in the last menagerie, it looks like. Yeah, they they did us, and this is I think this is pretty progressive for the time. They they you know made they kind of worked around her for this production of the glass menagerie. Um, but she just was really depressed because she was losing a lot of roles. Um, I think she had a kind of a bad relationship with her husband, um, cause she ended up getting divorced. Um, so 10 years after this, um, she had lost the will to live, um, started starving herself. And as a result of her not eating and drinking, um, her body functions shut down and she eventually died at the age of 31. Um, and she's considered to be one of the most tragic stories in Hollywood because she was so, I mean, it's whatever, like, it's whatever. It's sad either way, but she was considered to be this great talent. Um, and this, you know, accident, this freak accident ended I, up derailing her whole career. I do think this one thing on the wiki page I see for legacy, I'm side-eyeing a bit, where it says John Charles, who's of TCM, uh, said the paralysis was one of the worst tragedies to affect the acting community. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, that's a little... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't that a bit. I don't think it was the paralysis. I think it was well, the abandonment of Hollywood afterwards. It's like one of... You, yeah, it's like one of those things like, oh, I wonder who could have done this. It's not It's not her fault that she was paralyzed. It's not her well, fault. Well, well... Ho- I'm thinking, like, I don't know why, not to compare tragedies, even though I'm definitely about to do it. Uh, I, I was thinking like James Stevenson dying earlier, like a few episodes back. I was like, oh, like this, this gets me upset. It doesn't get me sad. Does that make sense? Like, no, absolutely. It's, yeah. It's, and and it's it one of those being... things where like, hopefully today it would have slightly different outcomes, but you know, if an actor, you know, got paralyzed today they still would lose out most of their roles. Yeah. Well, especially her being a young woman definitely mm-hmm. played a part in it because, you know, obviously like, as we've seen, dancing is such a huge part of these movies. Um, it's just, it's very sad. Very sad. I would say, I mean, nowadays, I don't know if there's been like anybody, I, I can't think of anybody who's become like fully paralyzed, but we have people like, like Michael J. Fox who ended up becoming a big advocate for, you know, actors with disabilities, um, you know, people like that. Um, but yeah, very sad story. Um, unfortunately, she's pretty bad in this movie as well. So <laughs> <laughs> she is bad. She's definitely not helped out by this script. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who could save this. This is this is terrible. I I hate I hated the the thirty minutes that was the plot. I hated, and then they just decide not to get married. And I hated it even more because I'm like, why did we waste our time on this creepy subplot? Well, oh, he couldn't no. get married because he was already married. What? No, I, I googled famous actors who became disabled, like in their career, and the first response was Woody Allen. And I'm just like, oof. <laughs> no, no thanks. All right, we can go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but they, they couldn't get married because that would be too, that would be inappropriate because then he would be a bigamist. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says like, well, just, oh, you know, I think I was thinking Christopher Reeve. There's oh, a, Christopher Reeve yes, as well. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why I, I was like, who, who's on my mind? Okay. There we mm-hmm. go. Sorry. <laughs> but like, I get that they can't be married. I don't want them to be married. I yes. also don't want Kitty in the thing at all. So with, 
I don't think it adds enough tension. And I think the character who would add tension is introduced way too late in the subplot for it to materialize. So I really I want to see I want to see the kitty list cut of this where there's just no in the after the family first meets no more kitty in the book kitty dies like immediately afterwards like just there's no explanation as far as Wikipedia tells me she just dies. So I mean, at least at least That's that life. can happen, I guess. There's no, sometimes there's um, no explanation for why people die. It's really quite sad, actually. Okay, uh, I don't know if Thank that's a, a reference to something or. It's not. I was just making the comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. This I didn't, know, I didn't think that was deep D&D enough for game. you. <laughs> this is what Danny does in the D and D game. IDM. His character is the most chaotic, like paladin to ever exist. But then occasionally he'll just have a really sober moment where he's like, man, life is real, is a real tough spot. But together we can get through it. Yeah, because I'll notice everyone's getting annoyed with me. So I got to try to save, <laughs> save the morale. I gotta try. <laughs> well, so speaking of chaos and being together. Random harvest. We find out for the past two years in the movie Charles has had an assistant. So did we, we ever no even say, did we even fact. ever we, say her name? We never said what Gregor's character name. was named. It's Paula. Her name is Paula, but that's her yeah. stage name. And uh whatever her, Margaret is her is her real name. And Margaret is his, has been his assistant for two years. And you hear her over the intercom in a scene. But it isn't until like the end of the kitty subplot where she finally like walks in to hand him something. And then by that point, I'd forgotten what she looked like. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, I had to Google it. I'm like, Hi. is this the girl? <laughs> well, they say and she's got some other guy who works there who's like got a crush on her. And she tells him like she's told him that she's his wife. And he's like, well, you can't tell her. And it's like. Just tell him. Just tell him. <laughs> Because no, the end of the movie, the end of the movie is literally somebody telling him who he is. So all of this could have been avoided if she had just told I am, him. I am so confused. And <laughs> it's 127 minutes, this movie. <laughs> it, her reveal her reveal is like so nonchalant when she walks in. <laughs> I will say, Greg like, Carson, she has some good acting in this scene because yes. he. I think he's talking about his marriage. To, he's talking about his wedding to Kitty, and she, oh, he tells her he's the first. She's the first person that he tells that they're getting married, and she's sitting beside him, and it's actually pretty well shot. I mean, it's simple, but it's a pretty well shot where he's in profile and she's, you know, sitting, you know, parallel or perpendicular to him. And her expression is like on display the whole time. And it's very good acting from Gergarson because she's, you know, heartbroken. Just tell him. Just tell him who you are. It's not that big a deal. So it sets up this what should probably have been the the bulk of the movie, which is that she is trying to like subconsciously remind him of their marriage by working for him. But then they completely change directions by having him propose to her. It was a business arrangement. Yes. 
Yeah. So he can become like a politician. Politics. And they are married. Yeah. This is the funniest part of the movie to me. They are married for three years, and he <laughs> never had any romantic interest in her. <laughs> you would think that he would fall in love with her. He does not. She's. They get along real well, and they she talk about like how they both lady. feel very empty inside, but they don't. They don't talk just, to each other. I guess the fact, like the fact that they're in that close quarters. I mean, they, you know, they're not having sex. They're not like, you know, they don't know. Wait, did we ever say what happened to the kid? We never saw what happened to the baby. (laughs) Well, it's a throwaway line in the movie, so it'll be a throwaway line here. The baby died. (laughs) We're so awful. We're laughing at the baby died. Well, like, it's so obviously just like written out because they don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Um, It's just. I just, I love to imagine. Her old theater friends, like just occasionally they're like catching up with each other and they're like, what's Paula doing these days? Oh, she married her ex-husband who actually was her husband, but then he got reverse amnesia. He had amnesia, but then he lost the amnesia, but she's, she was his secretary, but it's, it's really hard to explain, but she's still doing that. Paula's career trajectory is just like, she's a successful actress and then she becomes a stay at home mom. And then she becomes, she says, she explains what happened. She's like, oh, you know, I tried to do some more like acting after my baby died, but I was really bad at it. And then I became a stenographer. Um, and now, you know, I'm a, I'm a secretary. And it's like, honestly, you were better off not knowing this guy. <laughs> you were better off. She wasted at least five years of her life. And for what? For what? Well, she just, gets her happy ending. The thing that is so <laughs> funny to me is in those is in those three years, in those five years, but especially in those three years, he just never he never feels any attraction to her. He never feels like this is somebody that he could actually love. Like No, he's like no? ugly. And she is she is clearly interested in him yes. too. There's like a part where he says something where he's like, I just feel like there's somebody missing in my life, and she's like is it me? And he's like, no, no. Oh. I just, honestly, I mean, and the, the thing is, is like, like I've said, people call this like this so, this movie so romantic. It's just so beautiful. And it's like, this is, this, I mean, to me, as a woman in 2021, I'm like, what is this? I, I do want to get to, uh, when we wrap up the story, I want to talk about the reception I find here, which I think is very amusing. The reception that's listed on the wiki page. Um, well, yeah, so if we want to blaze through the ending, because this movie rushes through it, so we should too. Um, she is, she's tired of this, so she wants to go on a vacation. So she goes off on a vacation, and she starts off by going to the hotel they stayed at right before they got married. He, meanwhile, goes to Liverpool to settle a union dispute. And while there, or not Liverpool, he goes to, um, he goes to the town. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts to piece together his life. (laughs) And the movie ends with him having figured out everything, going back to their house from when they were first married. And then her hearing that she's in town and they meet up and he, and she calls him by the, his amnesia name. And she turns her, he turns around and calls her Paula, 
and they kiss. I just want to say too, I don't know if, I don't know if they should have done another take or what, but when he says Paula, it sounds like he's stuttering. Which at the beginning of the Paula. movie at the beginning That's of the movie that was his ailment was that he had a stutter. So to me it was like he he gained that stutter back. It's me, Apollo. I they should have done another take. The, <laughs> he goes back to the sad golden retriever boy he was playing for the first hour of the movie. I will say too, the woman who works at the at the tobacco shop, she looks so familiar to me, and I didn't know who she was. And then I looked her up, and she's in she's in the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> That's where I knew her from. I don't know who she who plays in it, but it immediately clicked with me. <laughs> Mm. Also, I like how everybody that they've encountered in this however many years is is dead, but the the old lady who works at the tobacco shop is still alive. Yeah, she she's keeping going. She uh, I don't know how, but somehow just I just can't like I cannot get over him having no like romantic connection to her at all. That's just like the funniest thing to me. I can't get over. Her just not telling him for three years. Well, and that's the thing. And like, like I said, when he goes there, it's something where like he meets somebody, maybe her manager or somebody, and he like he tells him he's like, I don't know what he like. Somebody tells him something that really makes him like, oh, I have been here before, and then he remembers it all at once. Um, I just, just tell him. I mean, just tell him. so confusing especially i get maybe when she's the secretary like not wanting to have the rejection of him being i don't love you anymore but after he proposes (laughs) yes yes in those three years that you've been married yes yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah it's a ridiculous movie i think we can all agree on that is there anything else we want to talk about the movie proper or besides my stats I want to bring up and criticism at the I'm time. Just, I'm just wondering, uh, would y'all want to see this remade? Shot well, for shot. Yeah, it was remade in an episode of the Carol Burnett show. Yes. <laughs> I do have a fantastic bit of uh, trivia um, about Greer Garson. So... The person Greer Garson spent the most time with was Joseph Ruttenberg, who did the cinematography. Um, she appreciated his using a woman's a woman's stocking over the lens to soften and glamorize her features. In addition, he quickly realized that she looked best shot from the right and made sure the sets were constructed so that he could favor that side. Hot. Everyone likes stockings. Yeah. Kind of a I think that yeah. just. I think that just adds to my, this is a... This is an older style of cinematography. <laughs> um, so this film played 11 weeks at the Radio City Music Hall, which is a record that lasted until the 1960s. But what I want to read some is some direct contemporary quotes from the 1940s about this film. All so right. critics, James A.G., who was a film critic, wrote, I would like to recommend this film to those who can stay interested in Ronald Coleman's amnesia for two hours and who can with pleasure eat a bowl of Yardley shaving soap for breakfast. <laughs> what? Okay. Bos- Bosley Crowther of the New York Times said, 
for all its emotional excess, Random Harvest is a strangely empty film. Yeah. Yeah. Miss True. Mr. Miss Garson and Mr. Coleman are charming. They act perfectly, but they never seem real. However, decades later, there was a critical reassessment of the film, such as Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader saying, this has a deranged sincerity and integrity on its own terms. <laughs> deranged is a good way to describe this movie. Deranged, yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the critical reception of Random Harvest. Is this does this have a Criterion release yet? Uh, I'm unsure. I don't think so because it has a whole media section on the wiki, and it just mentions the Warner Video DVD version. Oh, so. speaking of Wikipedia, I need to go check my stealth. Marketing. I was going to say we should bring that up at the end. Yeah. No, we shouldn't. Bring it up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I know. Us. I don't want it to be sabotaged. <laughs> I'm scared. Um. All right. Shall we do our game? Yes, but I need to think about it. <laughs> well, sir. Well, while you think about it, you have to remind us what it was nominated for. Yes. So it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director for Mervyn Leroy, Best Actor for Ronald Coleman. Best Supporting Actress for Susan Peters. Best Adapted Screenplay for Claudine West, George Froshaw, and Arthur Wimpress. Uh, Best Score for Herbert Stothart. Best Art Direction for Cedric Gibbons, Richard Duell, Edwin B. Willis, and Jack D. Moore. I mean, I gotta go with, in my opinion, only one of these are like actually like good, and that's Ronald Coleman's Charisma. So I guess I gotta go best actor for Ronald Coleman because I don't like my other options. I don't think he was good for half this movie. So, well, what would you give it to? It's Sarah's turn. Yeah, <laughs> Sarah said she was thinking, so no, I was trying I'm to be just, nice. No, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with. Hang on. Um, I think I'm going to go with this is gonna be controversial i'm gonna go with best adapted screenplay because first of all because it's it's the book is definitely structured a lot differently and also i just think it's crazy (laughs) and i just i appreciate how weird the screenplay is okay (laughs) um I mean, I'm definitely not giving it to Susan Peters. <laughs> as as sad as her story is. Um, Can we give her a retroactive Tony for the Glass Menagerie and just presume it was great? Sure. Um, she got I don't you know, give praised it, for it, so. Yeah. I don't want to give it to director because I don't think Leroy's outputting here. Listen, I'm going, I'm going like... I'm going to give it you're going to hate me Danny I just did process of elimination with all of them I have to give it best picture (laughs) real you can't give it score or direction they're both right there I mean score score was the same guy who did Wizard of Oz so you know you could give him a little boost (laughs) yeah because the guy who wrote somewhere over the rainbow needs a boost (laughs) No, I. You told me you like the house. The score. You told me you like the house. <laughs> okay, okay. 
There is. You can't give this best picture if it has a grooming subplot that makes you uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't. I mean, yes. Should I give a movie that I only like half an hour of best picture? No. But I also think it's kind of funny. So I'm just going to commit to the bit. I hate you. I know you do. It's funny, though, because I already know what award I'm giving it, and you're going to hate me for it anyway. Oh, what other nomination you mean? But you have to start on that anyway. So what would you give the best picture winner? Harder. What nomination would you give the best picture winner? Because <laughs> if it's the best picture, there's got to be other great aspects that we didn't nominate. Right? Yeah, it's the best picture of the I year. <laughs> I mean, Clarence is in this. I could give that. Um, uh, Reginald Owen, who plays uh, who plays Scrooge, is in this. I could give him one. Um, no, I mean, Greer Garson. I, I get that as a technicality. She couldn't be nominated, but she's the best actress in this, so best actor. So yeah, she she gets best. Uh, I guess you'd say supporting, but no, I think she's lead. I definitely well, she think was, she's lead. She, is, she would, yeah, she wouldn't yeah. be because because the same year Teresa Wright was nominated for actress and won supporting, so she she would be considered a lead because she wasn't eligible. Okay, yeah, I just wasn't sure since she was in like a middle chunk of the movie but whatever she qualifies for i think she deserves so sarah what would you nominate it for oh my gosh um this is tough you know what i'm gonna also go greer garson why not i i i gave her a little shout out i think that she was i think that the role was very bad i hope that her role in mrs miniver was better but I would say she probably deserved a dual nomination. You know, Mrs. Miniver might be one of the few comic movies to win uh, Best Picture. But of course, mm. Caleb, host of podcasts about comics, hates comics. So we'd rather Best Picture go to Random Harvest. Random Harvest, it's, baby. Is Mrs. Miniver based on a comic? It's based on... Oh, oh, I, I lied. I'm sorry. I'm canceled. It is based off newspaper columns. I just saw newspaper scene. I assumed they were newspaper comics. Oh, by the way, it's Mrs. Miniver. I've been calling it the wrong thing the entire time. <laughs> um. Anyway. uh, So. Now. I said I was going to get... Caleb, this deserves the best picture. Mad. My pick. And I made my pick last week when I watched this movie. Which is that I think there are a lot of good technical elements here. And I didn't want to argue with him. Because I'm too lazy to argue. In time. But I think the best technical element of this film is the cinematography. In particular, there's one shot of him leaving the asylum. I was like, ah, that's good stuff. I love it. So I'm going to nominate for cinematography just off the basis of that shot. It was a good I shot. I don't think it's a bad choice at all. My problem is not that it's bad cinematography. I just think compared to what we have watched the past couple weeks and what I feel like the 1940s was bringing to the table, um, I think that it was it was just kind of like going back in time a little bit. I don't know. I think the best if- aspect of this film was definitely the picture, which would be the cinematography. So. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna bring this up every episode aren't you well yeah because here's the thing uh it is a bit of a cop out i'm not gonna lie yeah because like let's be real like we all know what we're talking about next week next time right we give it best picture that's such a cop out <laughs> like, right, listen i'm not i'm not i'm not changing my answer <laughs> but if i had to at gunpoint 
I would probably <laughs> give it. I guess I'd give it to. See, I still don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's just fu- okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sure. Set design. Yeah. Why not? It's inoffensive. Good. I'm no longer offended. But, actually but I still give. Picture. I still give my nomination to cinematography because it is the best part of the movie. Uh, all right. Uh, so next time we will be jumping ahead a bit because it's the holiday season, which means we would like to cover the Christmas movie we're going to cover now. Then in February when we'd actually hit it. <laughs> so we will be jumping ahead to I actually didn't have this open. Whoops. We will be doing part it's one World War II. of a free a three part one about this uh Academy Awards, which will be very complicated, which we'll explain in next time's episode. But, I was gonna say, are we gonna are we gonna mention the one aspect of it, but you 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 just said it, so what? Oh, we will next time. There is, yeah. So we're going to jump from the 15th Academy Awards to the 19th Academy Awards. And cover, honestly, the first, well, I think The Crowd is considered a classic by some people. But other than The and Morocco, but this is like the first real stone-cold, universally acclaimed classic we'll be covering, which is Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Got six Oscar nominations. And no competitive wins. And we'll get more into that when we talk about it. Uh, so. I think we've all seen this before. I, I imagine. So I'll be revisiting it and breaking it down. I imagine it won't be our usual break down the plot thing. Because I think It's a Wonderful Life is kind of. It's. it's everyone knows it. And if you don't know it, it you define, should watch it. Define it. the trope. And the, define the genre. So Yeah, exactly. So we will be talking about that. And. Probably on Christmas, maybe a little before. We don't know when we're going to drop that episode. So don't expect anything from us until Christmas. So, And that is our last episode of the year, right? Yep. We will be taking a nice little holiday break. So we'll be ending on It's a Wonderful Life. And then the year we'll be joining in the new year with con- finishing the other film from the 15th Academy Awards. Which, of course, we'll say at the end of It's a Wonderful Life episode. So, Yes. Um, good. Well, maybe all our new listeners from my stealth marketing campaign can head <laughs> over here. The, the big fans of Affairs of Sleeney. It's still up there, by the way. Yeah. It deserves. Well, I'm pretty sure the other person who edited it has, is like one of those weird people. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you know, when you, when you look up something and you it gets, you go to like a wikia and you think it's like a real wikia, but then you like do more digging and it turns out to be like a fan, like a, <laughs> like a fanon, like not a real wikia. I feel like this person who edited it is kind of that same like mentality, if that makes sense. <laughs> they seem very fixated on this movie and this movie alone. Well, as long as they don't change anything, as long as they don't vandalize uh, all the facts, all the well, uh, factual information. On they the don't, they don't have any citations. So <laughs> <laughs> true. All right. I'm Danny Vincent. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Blakemans. You can also follow my other podcast, Wise with Ty and Dan, where we are, well, let me be real with you guys. I'm not really going to be on it. <laughs> we'll be covering Hawkeye this month. We'll be covering the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, and I'm also going to Hawaii next week. So Tyler's going to be doing an episode without me there, which will be I have no idea what he's going to do, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, 
I'm pretty excited to listen is to he, it and be is, surprised, honestly. Is he covering Hawkeye or is it no, just he'll like be, a wild card? Uh, I believe he's covering, he told me he wants to cover one of the old Spider-Man movies. I know if he's doing Japanese Spider-Man, the Nicholas Hammond TV movies, but he's going to be covering a old Spider-Man property from pre-time. I'm so excited. Missed opportunity for me to talk about the Jeremy Renner app. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh if you well he well he's doing if it, it's he's doing a flisha so we don't he wanted to do an episode of flisha which i think will be really cool so yeah sorry next time sarah you can come on for jeremy renner app sarah you can when me and uh me and joe finish up the second half of matt fractions hawkeye you can like bomb the call and just talk about <laughs> you, should just read, you should just read your my Jeremy favorite Renner, post. Yeah. Your, your Jeremy Renner oh, my movie. app movie your movie oh my gosh <laughs> get, it, get it preserved in audio <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, guys what do you guys want to sign off <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I I completely lost track whether you had finished signing off or not. Um, guys, uh, I'm Caleb. You can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube, um, and you can check out all my other podcasts. We've been talking about uh, all new Fifty Two a lot on this episode because uh, I don't know the fates decided that's what we would talk about. But yeah, um, that's a comics podcast I make with our editor Joe. So. Uh, Thank you, Joe, for editing this episode. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. That show with me. Um, and I'm Sarah Kanoff. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at sgk29 essgekay29. Um, you can find me on Letterbox. Um, just my name, Sarah Kanoff. I just started a new short little series, um, a little interlude of Femtober, where I'm just gonna be watching uh, mostly female-directed Hallmark movies. For Christmas, so check that I mean, out. Not all Hallmark movies. I mean, not all of you them. The, Some of them are like certified classics, but yeah. yeah, that one really weird like anthology horror movie. Yes, yes. Gotta keep the fem the femtober spirit. Um, you can find us uh, the Snub Club um, on uh, Facebook, just Snub Club, uh, Twitter Snub Club Pod, and Instagram Snub Club Podcast. Yeah, well. Well, we'll see you guys on during the holidays with It's a Wonderful Life, which I feel obligated to say because I always refer to it by the director, by uh, Frank Capra. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it, right? And if you have seen it, mm-hmm. we'll listen to us then. And I guess if you want, yeah, it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha